Okay, I'd like to welcome you all to the Department of Defense's Bloggers Roundtable for Wednesday, November 7th, 2012. My name is William Selby with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I'll be moderating our call today. Today, we are honored in, in honor of Veterans Day. Uh, we have Real Warrior Profiles U.S. Army Major Retired, Ed Polito, George Lamb, Defense Center of Excellence Stra uh, Strategic Communications and Acting Outreach and Collaboration Division Chief, and Dr. Lori Sloan, Associate Director for Information and Communications, Veterans Affairs National Center for PSD. They will be discussing successful tools, practices, and resources within the department, uh, Defense Department, the services, and the Defense Centers of Excellence to build resilience, facilitate recovery, and support reintegration for veterans, service members, and military families. Uh, we've had a few more join the call. Can I get your names, please? Anybody else join? Okay, well, uh, with that, uh, to uh, George Lamb, uh, Major Polito, and Dr. Sloan, um, in any order that you'd like, if you have an opening statement, you can go ahead with those now. I guess we can take an uh, opening statement from Major Polito first. Okay, thank you. Uh, my name is Major Ed Polito. I served in the United States Army for 19 years. I live with, of course, post-traumatic stress and a traumatic brain injury from an August 17, 2004 insurgent attack, which uh, we hit an IED in the city of Bakuba, Iraq. Uh, one of the things that was clear about that day is that I had the men and women in uniform. They enlisted in the non-commissioned officers who were able to render aid, provide me the comfort and the uh, security that I needed to be able to get out of a tough situation. was put on a helicopter. I headed to Baghdad. I uh, spent 17 hours in surgery, blood transfusions, and I would wake up to uh, headed to Germany, where I would end up in Germany for five days and then transition to Walter Reed, from Walter Reed to Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, where I would have E. coli, Ancetobacter, two staph infections, and I would go from 195 to 118 pounds. And it was at that time, on October 1st, 2004, uh, that they could not fight the infection anymore and I could not lose any more weight and my left leg was amputated forever. Uh, with that said, I had um, a wound to the arm and uh, arm amputation was next, but they were able to surgically um, repair the arm and, and save that for me and so honored and privileged that, the, that our doctors took care of me. But with that said, um, I began to experience the invisible wounds of war. Of course, dealing with physical wounds the next step is dealing with those mental wounds because for a time there, for me, it was very difficult um, to even think about the mental side of it. But it wasn't until my leg, leg was amputated that I began to experience suicidal ideation. Um, the post-traumatic uh, stress um, activities related to um, my experience, uh, the night tremors, the night sweats, and the flashbacks from what had happened. And, of course, I was there with my family, my wife and my little girl, my mom and dad, um, and many other people. And the Vietnam veterans were very instrumental in providing me some support and healing and, and guidance. Uh, but I had to reach out to not only a chaplain but also um, an individual that, um, that is a therapist there at Brook Army Medical Center. And uh, with his help, I was able to... Uh, discuss the suicidal thoughts and also the post-traumatic stress 
and um, and combat stress issues that I was dealing with as it related to depression, anxiety, and uh, and hypervigilance. And from there, I would be going on to being productive, learning how to walk, and recovering. Um, but utilizing mental health as a huge vehicle, as a two-prong approach. Not only are you going to be physically, but also mentally fit, and then add wellness to it, living a wellness life. Able to recover and learn that I needed to work again, um, adapt to my new life. And now I represent an organization called the Folds of Honor Foundation, which provides scholarships to families of the fallen and wounded, and then also started a new foundation called Warriors for Freedom to provide the mental and the physical support along with wellness. And part of our operational um, output is to provide uh, those veterans and their families with uh, mental health services through a program we called, we basically helped start called Sunbridge for Warriors, and it's a mental health initiative to support and enhance services for men and women in uniform, plus working with the Department of Mental Health in the state of Oklahoma and other mental health centers across the country um, to raise awareness about these issues. So on this Veterans Week, I want to thank all of you for your support, for not leaving me behind in the field of battle, and for making sure that mental health, wellness, and substance abuse issues are addressed, and that at the end of the day, that we need to look at also traumatic brain injuries as a topic of discussion as we look at ways for improvement in services and, more importantly, in recovery. So it is with that that I end my opening statement. Thank you, sir. And uh, Mr. Lamb. Good afternoon, and thank you for your service, Major. Thank you. Um, my, my talk is going to be real brief, and it's about the in-transition program. And it's been identified by the Department of Defense that when um, service members, as they're transitioning, that the most vulnerable time for and the loss of mental health care is during their time of transition. So DOD developed in transition program to help them transfer from the MTF to another MTF or from an MTF to, uh, to the VA as they transition out of the service. And they want to make sure that those gains that are made in an MTF continue on. That way they're connecting with those providers um, to continue that treatment. And, and the goals that in transition has their very simple goals. They, they want to make sure that um, that treatment continues, and they want to make sure that you know no loss of treatment gains. Because the the last thing you need is to keep restarting over. So if you continue the process, you have better outcomes on the other side. In transition is a, a program where the service member will get a, a coach, a telephonic coach that's going to help them as they transition from DOD to the VA and that coach is going to be available to them 24-7. They get the same coach all the way through the program, but of course that one coach isn't going to be available 24-7, but there will be a coach to answer it, and they're going to get that information back to them. And that coach is going to help them identify any local community services. If anybody in the family has special needs, that coach can help arrange that stuff. They also will go, and they're going to connect that service member with their new provider. They're going to reach out to that new provider, find out all the information they're going to need to start that care plan, and then also give that back to the service member. So when they show up, for instance, at the VA, they're going to know who they're going to speak with, what paperwork they need, and then it helps alleviate some of the stresses as they're transitioning. We've identified that the stresses of a service member going from DOD to the VA or to another treatment facility 
it's the stress that overcomes that, that's the first thing that's going to drop off is their mental health care. So we want to keep that in, keep them engaged as they transition out. And our coaches accomplish that by motivational interviewing. They're going to keep that service member engaged as they transition from um, the MT, MTF to the VA. So what they want to do is, is they will have the service member referred. It's a very easy process. And anybody can refer. Actually, 54% of the referrals come from service members. They've self-identified that they, they themselves need help as they transition. So 54% of the, the people to the program have been referred by themselves. But the, it can come from a case manager, a line leader. It doesn't matter. A spouse can refer a service member to the in-transition program. And what they do is they just get that information about the service member, you know, what information to call them back on. A coach is going to call them back. They're going to confirm their participation. Then they're going to find out any special information that, that's needed. You know, does that service member have any special needs with, or family member with special needs? Um, find out any uh, special information about any treatment plans, about any medication, and also what is their, their condition at hand. And also the location to where they're going. Then they're going to initiate the coaching, and you know they're going to do that assessment on them, and act, they're that bridge of support. So they, to build that bridge, they need to find out what what it needs to build that, and they're going to help them with uh, situations for um, certain life skills, on stress management, time management, problem solving, rest and nutrition, exercise, and um, most importantly, balancing that work and family life because we want to keep that family engaged with that service member. Also, and then they're going to connect with that gaining provider and get that service member connected. Um, they're going to let that gaining provider know who's coming in, when they're coming in, and then get that information back to the service member. Then they're going to follow up with the, re the referring provider, let them know that the, the service member has made it, or if they need to re-engage to uh, encourage them to uh, continue with that treatment. And that's all I have. Thank you very much. And Dr. Lori Sloan? Thanks, William. I want to thank um, Major Polito uh, for your service and for the courage to speak out and help others. Um, and, um, and Mr. Lamb, so good to hear more about the in-transition program. I think it's a vital service and really glad to um, hear more about exactly what that entailed. Um, so my name is Lori Sloan. I work for the VA's National Center for PTSD. Um, we're a, a center of excellence in VA that has seven divisions ar across the country, and what we do is we actually do research and education on trauma and PTSD. So we're not involved in direct clinical care, although the work that we do does help um, inform um, clinical care. Uh, so what I'm going to um, just kind of do a whirlwind tour of is um, some of the resources that we make available to kind of serve the broad range of needs um, of this, uh, of our veteran and service member population. Um, before the call, I did send out to um, Lauren um, a couple of flyers that we actually have posted on our website. Um, our, our PTSD website is just at ptsd.va.gov. Um, and that's listed on those flyers. It's split into basically three main sections. We have educational information for the public, um, for veterans and the public, including family members and service members. Um, and then we have another whole section for professionals, which is for providers and researchers. And um, a third section that's just about the center and, and includes a lot of um, media information, media kits about um, PTSD and um, printed materials, or materials for printing like these couple of flyers. 
Um, so what I want to do is tell you quickly about some of the resources that we um, provide for veterans and the followed by um, some of those that we have for professionals. Uh, the first thing that I want to mention to you is a new um, program that we just launched that's called About Face. And About Face is using the military term to think about how PTSD treatment has turned the lives around for some veterans. It's a video, an online video gallery of over 40 veterans from all eras um, talking about how they first um, realized they had PTSD, what it's been like with PTSD, and how treatment has helped them. Um, we actually hired a video producer to do this. She's fabulous. Did the interviews with these veterans. Um, it's along the same concepts of um, some of what the Real Warriors program does, and I think it's a, a great um, additional resource, so please be sure to uh, check out those videos on About Face. Um, About Face kind of goes along with a bigger campaign that VA has launched called Make the Connection. Um, this is also an anti-stigma um, campaign, and Make the Connection is really more broad than what About Face, where About Face just deals with PTSD, Make the Connection is um, more about all different types of uh, life problems um, and challenges that service members and, and veterans are faced with. And again, it's a video um, format to kind of help people know that they're not alone in the struggles that they're faced with. Um, a couple of other highlight um, things that we try to make available. We have a Where to Get Help for PTSD page on the site where we really try to be the first resource to help pe point people in the right direction um, for where they can get help if they think they might have PTSD. Um, along with that, we recently created um, a couple of products that we call the understandings. One is understanding PTSD. The other is understanding PTSD treatment. Um, both of these products are available in multiple formats on the web. Um, you can download an eight-page color booklet um, that has, includes stories from um, real people that have dealt with um, PTSD, or you can actually watch an online interactive um, course that kind of covers what is PTSD, and then another one that explains more about um, what the effective treatments are for PTSD and what treatment is like. Um, the treatment one actually includes some uh, video of providers answering some of the questions that they've had from their patients. Um, about what PTSD treatment is like. Um, I think the third major product that I want to make sure that you know about on this site is something um, that we have called the Returning from the War Zone Guides. Um, these were developed early on in the conflicts, um, really seeing what um, service members and families were dealing with right when they returned from war, that it's not just all um, a honeymoon phase that's short-lived um, can turn into a lot of other challenges, even in just normal readjustment uh, following war. Um, so we have two returning from the war zone guides, one that's um, targeted to service members and one that's targeted to their families. Um, the family one also has an online um, module um, that shows some um, family members and their spouses that have dealt with PTSD. Uh, and I'm hoping that um, some of you, at least on the call, have heard of the PTSD Coach mobile app that we developed um, jointly with DOD. It's been a great thing to see how well VA and DOD have worked together um, to really try to help these uh, invisible injuries of war, and um, PTSD Coach is one of those endeavors. Um, it's a mobile app. It's available for iPhone um, and Android, 
and it has been downloaded over 80,000 times since its launch a year and a half ago. Um, we think it's really filling a need people want to see about trying to do some self-help um, coping strategies either while, or, um, while they're in treatment or before they seek um, professional care. Um, and the PTSD Coach mobile app has really um, is serving some of those needs. Uh, because not everyone has a smartphone, we are actually moving forward to also develop an online version of the same tools that are available in the PTSD Coach app, and that should be available this coming, um, early this spring. Um, so that you can be notified about that, one of the things that the National Center for PTSD has done is we've created a couple of um, update lists, so this um, distribution list that you can sign up for to find out about new products that um, are coming and services that we know are available. Um, from anywhere on the website, you can just go to subscribe and sign up for the PTSD monthly update. We promise we won't spam people. <laughs> we only send out one update a month um, based on a topic related to trauma and PTSD, and it's a great way to stay in touch with new products that are available as well as a, a brief description of this, this long list of resources that I'm trying to give you a brief um, view of here. Uh, we also are on social media, um, trying to use social media where um, we know a lot of the young and, and older veterans um, and service members and families are. Um, so there's a, we have a Facebook presence and, as well as a Twitter feed where we also try to make sure people know about some of this information. Um, so in a quick breath, I'm just going to turn really quick and tell you we also have a ton of resources for um, providers that are working with service members and veterans. Um, we base all the information we post on the latest in research that's out there. Uh, we recently have launched, uh, are beginning to launch a set of toolkits that really deals with some of the life challenges um, that veterans and services are, members are faced with, um, including a VA campus toolkit that really is to help educate um, campus uh, prof professionals, the, the uh, teachers, as well as staff about some of the issues that returning veteran students are faced with in adjustment. Um, and we also just released one for community mental health providers, really trying to get more people out in the community um, to have them know about some of the issues that veterans and, and service members face, um, as well as those that work within VA. And we have a wide range of um, online training available for providers, including our PTSD 101 curriculum, which is about 30 online courses um, to help train providers in, in a variety of the um, VA and DOD clinical practice guidelines for PTSD, which is the best um, treatment practices. So I could go on and on, and I'm going to stop and shut up now because I know I've taken more of more time than I should, but I want to thank you all for working in this important area and helping um, spread the word and look forward to your questions. Okay, and before we get started with questions, there's just a few uh, ground rules. Remember to clearly state your name and your organization who you work for. Please keep your phone on mute if you are not asking a question, and please direct your question to whichever our speakers it pertains to. Um, and our first, actually, before we go any further, did anybody else join uh, while, while they were giving the opening statement? Oh, somebody just went off. Okay. <laughs> uh, J.C. Eckert, you were first on the line. Did you have a question? My qu um, this is J.C. Eckert from Military.com. 
And my question is for all three of these providers, um, there are so many new programs that are coming out for military um, members. And one of the things we keep hearing from our readers is that it is hard to figure out what you're supposed to use um, if you have this problem. Um, what do you recommend as a, um, do we go to Military One Force and ask them what, what program to use? What's the best one stop? So this is um, Dr. Sloan from the National Center for PTSD. We hear this we hear this a lot from people and agree that it's great that there are all these resources, um, but we're in this information age where we need to really figure out better ways to help um, get that the specific information that service members are looking for to them at the right time in the right place in the right format. Um, one of the things that we recommend usually to start is the National Resource Directory which is okay. a VA and DOD and a Department of Labor, I believe, um, joint effort. Um, it is trying to be that kind of resource, that kind of uh, one-stop shop to help direct people to the various types of um, programs they might be looking for. That's like my best first shot <laughs> at that, and I welcome oh, I, we're, I mean, I think that every time I hear about somebody starting something new, it always sounds like a good idea, but I worry about getting people to the right thing. So you said the National Resource Directory. Yep. And, um, okay, I will look into that. Thank you very much. And did anybody else have uh, any input on that? I was wondering if Major um, Polito. Yeah. Um, did you have trouble getting and um, figuring out? Because um, I mean, I imagine that you are trying, you and your family are trying to sort through all the programs available. Did you personally have problems with that? I think everyone does. What I would say is that one of the things that we did very well at, in the early stages is we linked up with the Real Warriors campaign, and for us, with the Real Warriors campaign, we were able to not only create awareness and understanding for our local warriors here, but utilize the tools and the resources to empower individuals to um, use the resources to help them find the, the right fit. I do work a lot with the 211 initiative. I sat on the board and, and for the first time in the state of Oklahoma and then at the national level, we talked with uh, the local United Way groups about having a veteran's piece to all of that because that was missing. and. I've also accessed um, other resources from uh, the directory to um, military.com. I think what we find is is that all of these resources are great, but it's, it's what is the best resource for you and lo your local community. And localizing it, it becomes the most important endeavor because at that particular time you have people that locally can help you through that process. And so... For us, we were able to localize the Real Warriors campaign for us and in the state of Oklahoma to have people come out and, and not only get those that information but also utilize their tools and the resources. And when a new resource comes out, what we try to do within our network across the country is let people know that this just came out and also um, the, the, the strengths and the weaknesses behind it, the way to be able to access that information. And one of the things that people ask us all the time, too, is how long should this take? They worry that they're spending way too much time on it. Does it just take a long time? 
to figure out your resources? Does it take months? What do you think? It's my opinion that it does take uh, a while for it to be the right fit. I'll give you an example. We have a program that's called Sunbridge for Warriors, and it was funded by the Department of Mental Health. Um, it, for some people, that just wasn't the right fit. On the other hand, you've got another group that started um, a, a counseling service that focuses with faith-based, a faith-based organization, and for the individual that was calling, that's what they were looking for. So, in essence, what's important, and I think that sometimes may be, may be missing, is the, the importance of the case management for individuals that are looking, so that so that you have a a, a threshold of services that are that can be rendered from a top tier, from say one through ten, and which ones are the ones that are going to be easily accessed. I think the most frustrating thing is when some when you call one organization and then they send you to another one, and then another one sends you to another one. And I think what we want to do is streamline that to where you go to one organization to meet your needs and kind of have that help desk effect. And I've used all the services, but I'm very good at, at, at accessing all of that. I think what we need to do is also train these young servicemen and women on, on what is out there and what's available and how to access that. And I, I think that that's a missing link. It's not anything negative. I'm just uh, brainstorming and letting you all know mm -hmm. that to me, that's a missing link. I think people just find out information from their their buddies or, or other individuals who have accessed that information, but I think it would be great to have someone that can be that service officer or that case manager that knows all of the services available that can provide these kind of briefings and, and supports to these men and women in uniform. Thank you very much, Major. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, Michelle, you are next. Hi. Uh Everyone and uh, Polito, uh, or Ms. Polito, I am just in awesome of uh, all of your outreach, especially your Real Warriors campaign. My question to you, as well as to uh, Dr. Sloan, the outreach that you all provide to the VA individuals within the, the local communities, I know you have these available on the VA website and a lot of the documentation is available to send out to, to, to people. However, does the VA really reach into the communities? Do you utilize the local resources that all the VISMs uh, and the VA facilities to actually reach into the local communities to bring awareness to Real Warriors campaign to the Defense Centers of Excellence? Those are the two that I really strive to reach out to and receive materials and refer people to those organizations? Well, I could start by saying that I look at it as a two-prong approach. I work with the local VAs all across the country, and I always, um, I'm, I'm an advocate for the Real Warriors campaign, and I'm an advocate for many other organizations. And with that, what we try to do is educate, um, for example, the individuals that are within the what they call the Wounded Warrior Program or the case managers that are there, and we have them attend different trainings where we have um, established in various markets across the country probably about 30 to 40 people that are the people that are the nuts and bolts to doing all of the things that we're talking about and that you're asking about. And I think as a committee, that's where I think the penetration is of making everyone aware. For example, we're working with a group that, is dealing with homelessness, and the VA really didn't know about this group, and they're one of the top groups in, in one of our local communities that actually 
deals with the veteran stand down and all of those kind of things. Now, it wasn't that they weren't connected. It's just they weren't connected to the infrastructure of other services that they had available with other counseling organizations. And I think by bridging those gaps, I think what I would like to see, too, is having more advocates. But it just depends on the markets, who's advocating, the knowledge of the advocacy efforts, and uh, and who's at the table. And I, I wish I had a better answer, but I think that the lessons learned is that um, you have to do a what you call a, a community inventory you of do. who's out there and who's available. And in that way, you get them involved, and then you get the business community involved through hiring and, and supporting these warriors and understanding these warriors when they come back that they may have these issues. And I'll give you one last quick example. I work with a company called Chesapeake Energy, and they have a two-prong approach. One is to provide support and employment services, but also educate their employees on the needs of these returning veterans as it relates to the things that they may have experienced. And by utilizing the tools from the Real Warriors campaign, what we do is we're leaving them information so when we leave the company that has about 6,000 employees, then when we leave them, we're leaving them with tools and resources for them to understand that if they've hired 250, now they're up to 250-plus employees that are veterans um, or have served in the military and have gotten out into our National Guard Reserve, that they know some symptomatic issues and, and that they can be more supportive and more caring and more compassionate not only to them to their fam- and their families. If it's possible, can we reach you outside of this webinar, um, Eric? Can we reach you through your uh, Sunbridge for Warriors campaign, or is there another resource that's easier to go one-on-one with you on this uh, outside of this conference call? Well, I'm here on behalf of the Real Warriors campaign, and and my email address is epolito, E-P-U-L-I-D-O, at foldsofhonor.org. And um, I'm giving you that email address because I'm here to serve our men and women in uniform in all other capacities. But I've also learned what's what's worked, what's not worked, and then also just the fact that what I didn't say earlier is the Real Warriors campaign saved my life. And it saved my life in the sense that I began to understand what the symptoms were and what the issues were and how to utilize a campaign to educate others. And I think one thing I learned, too, is is the fact that if, if I can help and, and tell the story and engage people and develop systems, better systems to improve the resources available, um, then I think that we're doing our job. And so that's my mission, and I hope the Real Warriors campaign folks are okay with that, but at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like I need to save lives, and, and suicide's a big issue right now, and literally this week, you know, someone called me and, and asked for my help, and, and that's what we're here to do. Real Warriors campaign is wonderful. It, it's a wonderful campaign. This is um, this is Lori Sloan again. I want to just kind of say, Major Polito, I'm like so thrilled to hear everything that you're saying and agree with you totally. There's this, you know, push sometimes to say things and use resources like the National Resource Directory, but we know that people really need local resources and what's in their local area. And one of the things that we're really trying to do is do things both from a top-down approach but also from a bottom-up approach. And I think that the 211 resource is a great thing that you were talking about. We, too, have been working in the New England area where our offices are located to try to get 211 um, more involved in, in 
carrying veteran services, and they've been extremely open, the United Way group. Um, and also, the other way that we really are trying to work, VA and the National Center for PTSD are working to try to branch out into communities by using some infrastructures that are already in place within a lot of different states and communities. There are some community-based network kind of approaches that are really working to break down the silos between different services. Just like you said, so there are, you know, advocates from DSOs working together with State Agency of Human Services folks who are also working with VA so that, you know, the um, voc rehab folks from the state services are starting to work together with the voc rehab folks from VA and connect with the transitional folks that work for um, the National Guard Bureau to try to help everybody work together to try to um, get these services to people. And I think he's totally right. It kind of, you, you have to find the right resources that are going to work for you based on your needs, and a lot of that has to do with and us really trying to make sure that there's, there's no wrong way to find those resources. Well, any way I can advocate for you and your behalf as well. One real quick thing, because it w you just reminded me of something. Um, I thought that one of the things that Department of Defense and the VA uh, did really well this year, specifically in my, in, in my area of the world, Texas and Oklahoma, was that they had me come down and speak at their stand-down events. Um, one of the problems that they indicated to me, and, and of course it's hard to get into some of these military bases at times to come speak about these issues without the fact that you need a proper invitation and, and who are you, what you're doing, but it was interesting because one of the things they said, and this is a lesson learned for all of us, is that there's not enough individuals like you, and that's what they said to me, that can come in and be able to tell these stories, and it'd be great if we had a uh, we had more advocates that could come out and do exactly what you're doing. And I think that's what um, the, what our groups that were, are on the call today, and that's what Real Warriors has been all about, is is showing these profiles, indicating the the the, the stories, but also encouraging us to be better advocates and speakers on behalf of these campaigns. And I think that's a strategy that's lacking and needs to be improved in the area of the fact that the Department of Defense and the various bases across the country are very hungry to have these kind of speakers do their testimonials, but also encourage these service members to get help. And the outcome of that was that I had service members come after the fact and say, how do I access these services and where do I go? And, and that, to me, is a positive outcome. Yeah, I agree with you 100% that getting that, that first-hand voice is so important. It's part of the reason we created the About Face campaign, because it's really these people really talking about their real experiences and trying to use technology to be able to make that available to more people without actually having to have the speaker there. But at the same time, it's still having that ability to have that second step where you can ask them those specific questions is so, so important. Thank you very much for that. And uh, uh, George from uh, Deco, oh, and this is a little bit to Michelle's question about some of the things we're doing with the communities. Is well, Deco has partnered with the Yellow Ribbon, to, and we see thousands of service members as they come back, and we give them the information. But not only that, at, at these Yellow Ribbon events, you could have a hundred of the community partners, so they're going to have the exposure also uh, of the information that Deco is avail, avail, available to them about the Real Warriors campaign or in transition or our call center 
Um, and one thing about we, we also have a call center, and that's available to anyone. It's not just for the service members. Yeah, you are, you are right on that, George. My only problem with that is depending on your demographic area. I, I say this firsthand. I have a meeting on Friday with the state of Illinois, and we're doing an Illinois Joining Forces. However, I've been trying to get them to do this for two and a half years, and it's taken this long just to get them to manipulate and coordinate this. Oh, I, I agree, and, and it's not easy, and it's people become very territorial. Yes, they do, and that is the problem. And at the end of the day, the person who's needing the help really could care less. They just want the help. They right. don't need strategic to where you put two years to put it together. They okay. want help at the end of that day. Absolutely, and and they want real, honest answers. You know, instead of somebody who just wants to put an organization together that wants to raise money. Etc. I'm very opposed to that. I want organizations and committed people at the end of today right. who are going to provide the resource. And through DECO, that's one of the best ways I have found because they have firsthand information that comes directly what is needed for that service member and or family member at the end of the day. Sorry, Michelle. I'm going to... Uh, stop with that one. We got to move on to uh, see if anybody else has questions. Uh, Phyllis, are you still on the line? Yes, I am. And what I want to talk about, Phyllis Zimler Miller, this is attendant.blogspot.com. All these programs are wonderful. And I will try not to cry, but what I write about a lot is the person who has no idea, the man or woman who 10 months out or three years out starts really shaking his kid and becomes suicidal and does not connect that this might be PTSD and doesn't know that he or she needs to get help. And I'm sure that the, you've heard the horror stories of how many months waiting there are for VAs that just to have an initial appointment to even find out whether you need help. How can we reach these people better than we are doing now? For anyone who wants to answer. So this is Dr. Sloan. I will tell you one of the resources I think that VA has put into place that's very underutilized so far is a program called Coaching Into Care. Um, it is actually a coaching service that family members and friends of veterans can call to help um, figure out ways to um, talk to them about what they're seeing and help them get into care. So when the service member or veteran isn't seeing it themselves, we know that family members are usually the first ones to notice there's a problem. And this service was actually started to help them be able to talk with the veteran or service member and help move things forward. Um, we realize there are still problems with accessing care at VA. There are lots of other resources available in addition to direct face-to-face -face care. And, and we're working hard to get more of that information out you know, facing the same, some of the same kind of issues that we're talking about. But, you know, even providing things like an online app that might help with some, you know, some symptoms, even if it's not full-blown PTSD and it's just readjustment um, issues, are, are some of those kind of strategies we're working on. Is that the kind of thing you're looking for? Yes, and also veterans' courts have been doing, um, been very successful. Does everyone know the one, the few in, couple in California, I actually attended one, dealing with uh, veterans who commit nonviolent crimes that are completely connected to PTSD but undiagnosed PTSD. Is there any way that the um, DOD or the VA is working to try and make these courts mandatory throughout the country? 
I, this is Lori again. I cannot answer to whether they're trying to make it mandatory, but I do know that VA has a program called Veteran Justice Outreach. Um, each VA facility is um, supposed to have a designated VJO person who actually works with the veteran courts or helps try to facilitate the same kind of things that the veteran courts do. So VA has gone down this road to look to try to get some people in place to actually do those kind of services and work together with the courts that exist. And again, we're trying to get the word out more about those courts and the successes they've had um, to try to encourage others to do the same. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, did anybody else, was there anybody else on the line that has not asked a question that would like to? Okay. Yeah, it's Mike Schindler here with the Military Wire. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, for Dr. Sloan and, and for the major and uh, for George, this, uh, to all three of you, this is a two-point question. You guys mentioned a number of the resources that are around, and I'd encourage you to look at what they're doing in Washington State uh, at Joint Base Lewis McCord, creating uh, what they're hoping to become a, a seamless transition between the DOD and VA and state uh, local resources using mobile and web uh, technologies. So. Uh, that's one point. The other point is the focus on PTSD. Since we've been in this space for uh, a, a number of years, one of the things that we've had the opportunity to do is work with a number of employers and hiring managers. And I think what um, the National Center for PTSD and, and the organizations have done is a tremendous job of, of laying out what the challenges are that we as veterans face. However, I think where, where there has been a lack of um, same attention is in the skills that were developed and the training that was developed and the assets that our veterans have when they come back into society. Uh, and I'm wondering if there is any move or direction to not only say, hey, yes, we may have some challenges, but understand that those challenges oftentimes um, can, can be superseded or once we get those under control, uh, imagine the assets we have to bring to your community, to your companies, and, and we have not seen a campaign related to that. And as a result, I think that can speak to some of why we have higher unemployment rates as well as why as a lot of hiring managers um, are um, a, a bit hesitant to hire vets. Uh, so I, I'm wondering if, if there's all that to say, is there a campaign, a move to say, Yes, while we might have challenges, understand the asset and value we bring. Yeah, there definitely is. And it's coming really soon. You're going to see more of it. Um, the Department of Labor has created a site called America's Heroes at Work. Um, really has been working hard to try to emphasize the incredible responsibility and skills that service members develop um, because of their military service. Um, and to follow up on that, Within the next couple of months, we're releasing an employee, uh, veteran employer toolkit, which actually works just like that. It works to try to emphasize the important skills that have been developed and why veterans make such good employees, um, as well as helping um, employers understand some of the issues that they might see and what the realities are of adjustment following war, as well as um, some of the more severe things like PTSD. That site, even though it's developed for, um, it was developed by the National Center for PTSD, is actually going to be its own website to move away from, you know, the, the association of, of trying, you know, the association that grows between veterans and PTSD because it's not 
you know, not all veterans develop PTSD, and even um, many of those who have PTSD are still incredibly good workers and employees, and we're really trying to, to put out that message. So I so appreciate you bringing this up um, because it, we know that that's an, a really important thing, and we want to see um, that unemployment, those unemployment rates go down. Perfect. Good. Thank you. Well, also, you know, things like we're doing today, you know, we have the blog and you have your blogs and make sure you get that information out there about the Real Warriors campaign, you know, because they have those resources available about the stigma that's associated with the with PTSD and mental health issues. And also information like our, our call center. It's open to anybody. It's not it doesn't have to be just a service member that calls. And we, we get a lot of calls from employers who, who say, I have an employee who went off and now he's back and he has PTSD and I don't understand it. But if you can raise that informational awareness, you know, it helps to allevi alleviate that stigma associated with, with the um, with PTSD. So, you know, it's just a lot of awareness to our new employee employers about the, the issues that uh, our service members are facing. And you're doing a great service with these blogs, getting that information out there. Thank you very much. And was there anybody else who did not get a chance to ask a question? All right, well, with that, I'd like to wrap today's roundtable up and ask any of our speakers, I guess we'll start with, uh, with Major Polito, if you have any closing statements you'd like to make. Well, the only closing statements that I have is just to encourage people to utilize all the tools that have been discussed today. For us, specifically, uh, the Real Warriors campaign, the Real Warriors profiles, uh, to create um, an under a better understanding about the messaging that we have within the campaign, um, to utilize uh, the resource uh, to give to our nation's heroes and their families, um, and encourage them to, to go out and seek help, and that you know, I know that at times stigma may be an issue, but at the end of the day, um, making sure that we have a, the best well and, and trained force, but also a well and, and, um, and good quality of life for those that have already served and are out. Um, individuals can call the Outreach Center at 866-966-1020. And, of course, there's video profiles, PSAs, articles, message boards, materials. And I think um, this is just one tool of many tools that can be utilized but at the end of the day, we're the safety net for these heroes and their families, and, and our job is to not leave any of them behind in the field of battle, and I feel like we've come a long way. I want to thank everyone that's on the call and encourage them to keep fighting for our heroes and their families and, and continue to uh, be a beacon of life for support and, and uh, recovery. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, Mr. Lamb? And thank Dr. you again. Lamb. Thank you again, Major. And, thank you. and, and like you said, you know, you fought the battle, now you're home. Let's, the community needs to pull together and give them the support they need. And it's no wrong door. If, if a service member shows up at your organization and it might not be the correct organization, point them in the right direction. There's, and it's a little self-awareness of the people in your community to need to know, um, especially the people that work with these veterans on the street or uh, in the clinics, you know, what resources are available. And centers, uh, National Resource Directory, DECO, um, the VA OEF OAF Seamless Transition Program. Be aware of all those and get the resources that these service members need as they come home. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, on to Dr. Sloan. Um, I think I really just have to agree with everything those guys said. Thank you all for being on the call and, and doing the work that you're doing. 
um, to try to help others. It's, it's really important, and we all just are going to keep going in that direction so that those, those, all those open doors stay open. Thank you very much, ma'am. And thank you to everybody online or on the line today who has participated. Uh, today's program will be available online at dodlive.mil where you'll be able to access the audio from today's roundtable along with other source, source documents. Again, thank you to our participants. Uh, we appreciate your time. We're honored to have you on the call today. This concludes today's event. Feel free to disconnect at this time. Thank you, William. You're welcome.